uh, well, some of you are probably real ready to move on, but I'm almost kind of sad. I feel like this is a letter from, you know, from, from Paul to his, to his young protege, Timothy, and I feel like I've just been instructed by it as, a, as you know, your fresh new pastor here over these last few months, and it's been really good for me. I don't know if it's uh, been good for you, but uh, I've, I've learned a ton. So today we're going to talk about final wishes as we come down uh, to the end. Well, most of you know um, that we were in a larger church in, in San Diego these last few years, and I mentioned that last week. And they have, um, and it's an older church, it's uh, over 75 years old, and they have a bunch of classes, uh, they call them adult fellowships or Sunday school classes. Um, and I think what happens is every several years they start a young marriage class, and then that class just never goes away. And so they have classes that were started, you know, generations ago and are still going on. There's, uh, they come by all sorts of interesting names. Bicoda, everything's an acronym down there. It's um, Be Ye Kind One to Another. Um, the King's Followers, the Lamb's Kin, which is hard for me to say. Uh, Sundeo, Salt, the Sojourners, Ambassadors. Uh, they have all, all these different different classes, and it's fun to go around and and, uh, and be part of those. They were just starting um, a new young marrieds class, and my only advice was, be careful what you name your class, because, you know, 50 years from now, uh, you're stuck with that. Uh, one of the classes, the ambassadors, the leader of that class, he called it the graduating class, because there was, there was no class after that. You go from that class uh, to heaven, and it was a, a sweet group of, you know, mostly 80s and 90s, um, and uh, I'd come in there, and they'd say, oh, how young you are. It's so fun to have a young, you know, minister. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Heather, you got to come to this class. It'd make you feel like a kid again. Um, but there's something about that stage of life, you know, the graduating class where there's a real uh, profoundness, there's a real uh, depth, um, a real uh, perspective. A woman in that class, she would... She was kind of their, uh, their prayer champion, and listening to her pray was just, um, you know, it was a sermon in itself. It was just so rich, the, the perspective when you're the graduating class. Over the years, I've had a chance to, to visit people, um, sometimes in their homes, but often in the hospitals, who, who are quite honestly, they were facing their, their last days and, uh, and, and knew it. Um, some were just unresponsive. The uh, first time I experienced what, what someone else called that death rattle when there's kind of fluid in the lungs and it's just, you just know the end is near and it's just hard to be in the presence of that. Some, as you talk to them, were frightened. Some were just tired. <laughs> some were hopeful, looking at, at heaven. And some were just downright profound the things that were on their minds as they, they contemplate uh, eternity. Uh, two in particular stood out to me. Uh, it was at a time I was going through some difficult things personally, and I went to visit this guy, Tom. He was, he was a younger guy, and, and uh, his health was failing. I was trying to think, what do I say to a guy in his circumstances? And, and I came away being encouraged by him, and uh, just a real blessing to, to visit with Tom, who, who now is in heaven. Another man I will probably never forget. Uh, I didn't know him ahead of time, but some of the other staff knew him. And they say, oh, when you visit, you're going to be encouraged by visiting this man. 
he, he was elderly, and he had just had his, uh, his leg amputated. And uh, wasn't sure, you know, what his health was going to, how it's going to respond to that. Uh, not well. But, uh, but he was just, had this joy in the Lord that was incredible. Um, I went in there. He's sharing his faith with everybody on staff in the hospital. Anybody who'd come in his room, you know, to take care of him, he'd tell him about Jesus. Hey, do you know, do you know Jesus? And he'd start sharing his faith. It's just really uh, pretty neat to see. Um, when uh, a lady came by, uh, a nurse, to check on, on his, uh, his surgery, she says, you know, I'm, I'm going to need to see your leg and check on that. He's like, I'm sorry, I, I don't know where they put it. <laughs> so he had, he had, you know, just straight-paced uh, he had this, that kind of attitude uh, about him. Really need to talk to him. But, but by the time I, I saw him, he, he knew his, his health was really failing. And uh, the things on his mind were, uh, I got to tell as many people as I can about Jesus. What else was on his mind was he had this uh, real sense of, of peace about meeting Jesus. He he's co- was comfortable, he seemed, with the idea even when it was looking him right in the face. But his only, uh, his only hesitation was uh, because his wife, he didn't want to leave behind. This was his second marriage, and his wife was there with us too, and she said that, you know, you, don't you know that you're going to be able to see, you know, his first wife, and, you know, they'll have a reunion. And so it was, it was a sweet time together, but just, I just came away feeling like, man, this guy is ready for eternity. And uh, his priorities are where ours should be as well. I think when we're, when we're faced with mortality, <laughs> we, we look at that, we start to think about what's, you know, really important to us. Um, it starts to be, uh, you know, real profound. Um, we, we see or hear about a tragedy, we want to go home and, you know, hug our kids a little tighter. And just, you know, the things that are important to us come out. And I think that's kind of the main point of what's happening in this passage today is coming to grips with mortality, it reveals my heart's priorities. It reveals what is really important to me, what, what things I love and what things I care about. This is the end of the letter from Paul, written from uh, the Roman prison. He's uh, probably going to be executed for his, for his faith, basically, his testimony for Christ. And uh, these are probably the last words we have from the Apostle Paul as he, as he wrote this to young Timothy. So we see, we see Paul's final wishes. His, we see his priorities, what was near and dear to him as he faces the end. Um, and, and what's happening is he, in this, in this last part of the letter, he's just urging Timothy, please come visit me. <laughs> please come see me and do it quickly. Um, Probably because th- when the season uh, gets towards winter, it's you can't get there by ship anymore, and so like come before before winter. That was his his great desire. He was sending um, uh, Tychicus or Tychicus, <laughs> I don't know how to say the name, uh, ahead of him uh, with the letter, and he was probably going to take over Timothy's role while Timothy came to see Paul. So this is what's happening, and this is right on the tail end of last week. We were talking about um, Paul's final passionate charge to Timothy. He gave this real serious, you know, get serious about God's word, get serious about God's work. And then Paul, in, in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 4 that we looked at last week, he gives the assessment of his life, which is just incredible. If you could say, come to the end and say this, to say, 
I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So Paul's just given this this grand charge, and then he's told us, um, you know, his assessment of his own life. And then in these last several verses that we'll look at today, he, he turns just real personal. This is his, you know, his, his last words that we have reported. We'll, we'll see five things that were real close to Paul's heart that kind of come out of these, these verses. Um, and those same five things, we could see how when we make these a priority in our own lives, then we too could say, yeah, I, I fought the good fight. I, I finished the race. And I, I lived that way. So we're going to look at these five things and how we can make those, you know, a big deal in our lives as well. Um, so, 2 Timothy chapter 4, um, and we'll be in verses 9 to 22. Um, if you're following along in one of the Pew Bibles in front of you, it's on page 996. And I'd like to just start off and read that section for us. Starting in verse 9, Paul says, uh, Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens, he, he's gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Uh, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith, he did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. And beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but they all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. And the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. In verse 19. Uh, Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Uh, All these names. (laughs) Uh, Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. And this is how Paul finishes out his correspondence with Timothy. You know, it turns real personal. He starts talking about, you know, he starts naming, naming people and, and, and talking about the things that are just real dear to him. And, and I think that's really our first lesson that we can get from him is um, to live like each day could be our last, to live like life really matters, is, is to value people. At the end of his life, he had people on his mind. I I counted at least 17 people by name in this passage besides just the blanket statement of, you know, all the brothers and and such like that. And he had some different feelings about different people, but he had strong feelings uh, about a lot of them. Uh, First, the thing that broke his heart was people, (laughs) people who wronged him, betrayed him. Verse 10 says, Demas, who in love with this present world deserted me. That was, you know, Heavy on his heart. 
Alexander the coppersmith who did him great harm. So as Paul comes to the end, he's not, you know, just all torn up that his team had a losing streak or that his house value uh, went down or, you know, all these things that we could get wrapped up in. What, what tore at his heart was, ah, oh, these people who, they defected, they, they betrayed, they turned, they turned their back, and that, that saddened him. He, he's also saddened by just the separation from people. That's just the circumstances of life. He doesn't, um, he doesn't have anything, he doesn't have any hint of maliciousness. It's just the fact of, light, fact of life that Crescens went to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia and Tychicus to Ephesus and Carpus to Troas, Erastus in Corinth. Trophimus was sick at Miletus. All these people are just left scattered all over. And, uh, and, and this is what was on, on Paul's mind. People, people. And, and third, we just see him really just longing for companionship. He's like, Luke, Luke's the only one with me. Get, get Mark. Please, please bring Mark with you. I, I really would love to see that guy. Uh, say hi to Prisca and Aquila. Stayed in their house. I really... You know, miss seeing them. All the household of Onesiphorus, Eubulus, just bear with me. As do Pudens and Linus and Claudia, all these names. He, he's not longing uh, for his hobbies. He's not longing for uh, his favorite meal. He's saying, these people, they're, that's what's, what's dear to me. And his most pressing request was, Timothy, come see me. That's what I really want. He says that at the beginning and at the end of this passage. Come quickly, Timothy. So, for you and I, if we want to live life to the fullest, um, to live like today could be your last, we need, really need to value people. Several people have said this. One is uh, John Powell, a Jesuit. He says, to live fully, we must learn to use things and love people and not love things and use people Uh, we need to remind ourselves of that a lot because it's so easy to get that flip-flopped a senior pastor at the church we came from um he's just just a great guy and really driven and and uh, a lot on his mind i think sometimes driven people um you know you just you're just running full steam ahead and it's hard to slow down so uh, he knew this about himself so his uh his name tag on his desk, on the, on the side that you see, it has his name. And on the back, it says, it's about the people, stupid. And so it's just a constant reminder, like, like oh, I need to, yes, yes, slow down. And we need that sign, you know, on, on the inside of our glasses or wherever it is to remind us, okay, slow down. It's about the people. Slow down and really listen to conversations. Learn to ask questions. Um, my wife is going through some of uh, Larry Crabb's material right now, and I, I listened in on some of it, and he said something that, was, that really kind of stuck with me. Uh, one of the core things that people need or is helpful to them is we need to be explored. And he describes it like this, to have a few people warmly and thoughtfully curious about who I am. That, that's what we need from each other, to have a few people in this world who are warmly and thoughtfully curious about who I am. Uh, who can you be that to? Who, who in your life uh, do you need to just slow down, ask those questions, be interested, and, in, you know, what, what makes this person tick? Not in an evaluation mode or anything like that, but warmly 
and thoughtfully curious. So to live each day as if it were my last, I, I just need to value people. <laughs> people, are, people are precious. Uh, they, were, they were to Paul, and they need to be to us. But, but it doesn't stop with just valuing, the, valuing them. We need to invest in people. Uh, in this passage, this was not just a random group of buddies of Paul's that he's talking about. These were his, uh, largely this was his ministry team. This was people who he had invested with. He had uh, he'd trained, he'd discipled, uh, he'd traveled on missionary journeys with. These are people that, that Paul invested his life in. And in particular, Timothy, his protege, his disciple, his, uh, his mentee, so to speak. Uh, we see this throughout uh, the book in, uh, in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, You then, my child, this is he talking about Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we talked about this several weeks back of, of the passing on the message of Christ by generation, generation, and so Paul's saying, I, I taught you everything I know. Now pass that on, investing. In chapter 3, he says, You, however, you have, well, as opposed to the knuckleheads who are doing other things, he says, You, Timothy, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. He's like, I've, I've just poured myself into you. Um, uh, also, uh, Tychicus, that's how I'm going to say it, um, he sent him to Ephesus. He was entrusting him with this. He trained him. He, he'd given him this. He delivered. He was probably delivering the letter. Um, Mark traveled with Paul on missionary journeys. So these are people who he invested with, invested in. So it's not enough just to think people are special, <laughs> but to intentionally pour into other people. To talk about spiritual things with the people that you care about. So one of the ways that we, we do this, uh, we might just call this mentoring or discipleship in general, and that's when we take uh, an intentional uh, role of investing in another person's life. And uh, we were talking about this in our membership class this morning, and we see it happening at this church in lots of different ways where people are, are meeting um, at coffee to talk about the Bible together, or they're meeting here in the office or at somebody's home, and uh, it's just an intentional mentoring relationship and that's that's what we need to do that's what we need to be for each other either either be a mentor or or get a mentor or or both and i would like to make you an offer of being a mentor broker for you and uh, i know there's several in the church family who could really um, benefit from and would really enjoy uh, being mentored by somebody who's maybe experienced more in the christian faith and been around it longer and there's people with that experience who would love to invest in, in those um, who are looking for a mentor. But sometimes it's hard to, to put the two together. So if those describe you, uh, you could just reach in front of you one of those little communication connect cards and either write on there, well, write your name on there, and then write either uh, looking for a mentor or willing to mentor on that. And uh, ponder that through the rest of this sermon. Just ponder that, the whole rest of the sermon. And then uh, fill it out and put it in that little wood box that's on the table in the back there. And then basically I will give uh, the names of people who um, 
want to be mentored, oh no, of, are willing to mentor, I'll give those to the people who want to be mentored and we'll make some connections. I will broker that uh, relationship for you if that would be of some assistance. So, to live each day like it was my last, okay, invest in people. Give yourself for the sake of other spiritual growth. It's really messy uh, work when we get into this. When we slow down and ask those questions and really get to know people, you know, that thoughtfully curious um, exploration, we might find really crazy things. They might find really crazy things about us. If we get in a mentoring relationship and we're investing and being invested in, um, uh, sooner or later there's going to be some some conflict. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard and difficult things happen. And uh, that's why the third thing we need to do is to reconcile with people. When things go south in our relationships, we make them right. Uh, this is what uh, Paul did as we... We kind of see, we kind of, some of it's reading between the lines, but some of it's just plain. Uh, here's a few examples from, from these, these verses. Uh, one, he mentions Mark, you know, bring, bring Mark with, with you. Uh, that's the guy I really want to see. Well, we know from Acts uh, 15, um, 36 to 40, that uh, earlier in Paul's ministry, he's like, that guy's a nuisance. <laughs> um, so much so because Mark abandoned them in a ministry, um, Paul's like, I'm not going to take that guy with me. Uh, he's not coming on our trip. And Barnabas says, no, 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 he's great. He's going to be good. Paul's like, no, I, you take him. I'll go with Silas this way. You take Mark that way. And, uh, and all of a sudden, there's a church plant. You know, it's another team. No, so they, they divided ways because there was such a sharp conflict over, uh, over Mark's abandoning them in the ministry. And yet, something took place between that time and this time that Paul says, bring Mark. And what does he say about Mark? He says, he is very useful to me for ministry. This is in verse 11 of our passage. He's like, man, I want, Mark, Mark's just my, he, he's my guy, you know, bring, bring him with you. Reconciliation had happened. Uh, here's another uh, reconciliation from this passage. The fellow believers in Rome, in verse 16, it says, at my first defense, so this is apparently um, Paul's kind of initial uh, trial or hearing uh, related to his, you know, his imprisonment there. And he says, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. All the Roman Christians that were, you know, the Christians in the, in, uh, the Roman church, uh, they all abandoned him. They all left him, deserted him. And he says to, about that, he says, May it not be charged against them. He uh, releases them. He doesn't hold it against them. And I, I think that can mean one of two things. One is um, he is releasing them like Jesus did on the cross. You know, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, as, as Stephen did when he was being uh, martyred. It's, uh, you know, all these people had abandoned him, but he's, he just uh, forgives them. That, that's probably what's going on. Um, but it, it could have also meant that he's, he's uh, wishing that they won't be charged like by Rome. He's like, by them, by them staying away from the trial, he's wishing that, I hope you escape the judgment of Rome. <laughs> I hope you don't end up on death row like I am. And so either way you take it, 
Paul is, is uh, he's good with these people. They've abandoned him, but he's, he's made it right. He wishes them well. Okay, the, the third one in here, Alexander, who is just a big problem, verses 14 and 15, says, Alexander the coppersmith, he did me great harm. And the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Um, I think it's real likely that Alexander was the one who publicly brought forth these accusations against uh, Paul that landed him in prison and ultimately had him executed. So uh, imagine facing that person if it was in your life. This is the person who kind of gave you up to the authorities, who turned you over, who said, you know, accused you publicly and that caused your, your demise. What would, you, what would you say about this? Well, Paul follows his own advice that he gave to the Roman church earlier. When he says in Romans 12, he says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what's honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. The person who had wounded Paul in a really, really serious way, um, Paul says, well, I'm just putting him in God's hands. God will take care of him. And God's the one who has the right to do that. Paul didn't say, Timothy, if you see Alexander, punch him in the face for me. Or, uh, you know, do something terrible to him. He's like, I'm just leaving him, in, I'm leaving him in the Lord's hands. And that's really all that we can do as well. There might be people in your life who've wounded you in really, really difficult ways. These, these things happen in life. Sometimes we have to set boundaries. Sometimes we have to be cautious. Sometimes we have to be guarded. Like in this verse, uh, Paul says to Timothy, uh, beware of him. <laughs> Don't... Uh, you know, don't make him your best buddy and, and whatever, be cautious. But even with those boundaries, don't go to your grave with biz- bitterness and unforgiveness. You need to release those people to the Lord. Let the Lord take care of them. Last week when we went on the first annual First Baptist Church bike ride um, with, uh, with uh, my wife and son, um, it was pretty fun, and we tried out a new bike, which we acquired, and uh, the story for another time, and uh, we're a little ways into the ride, and Caleb was just complaining about the bike being really uncomfortable, and I'm kind of like, no, nah, it's fine, just go. <laughs> He's like, no, it's really terrible, and uh, so finally, uh, finally we stopped and fixed it, and uh, this has happened before in our families, where in our family, where I tend to think that, y'all, oh, this is just fine. You know, I have a head up, headlight out for, you know, a year. It's like, oh, it's going to be okay. You know, we'll, we'll make it. Or uh, something's not quite right. I just live with it. Well, sometimes we do that in relationships. We have a broken relationship somewhere. We know it's not right. This thing kind of hurts. It's annoying. It's uh, painful. But we just kind of get used to it. Well, life just hurts a little. We just kind of keep going on. We need to stop <laughs> and fix that thing. Stop and, and extend forgiveness Stop and ask for forgiveness and make things right. Um, you know, we need to be the initiator no matter which side we're on. If we've done the wronging and we know it, we need to go and, and make it right. 
if we've been wronged, we're on the receiving end of that, uh, don't just sit around and say, well, you know, I'm going to wait till they come to me. No, you can just extend forgiveness. It, it's what we're asked to do. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have, have sinned against, has trespassed against us, as Bob reminded us of this morning. So to live each day as if it was my last, to have that eternal perspective, uh, reconcile with people, make things right. Don't just limp along in this painful state of things. Okay, fourth. Share Christ with people. So, so far we've mostly been talking about people we already have a relationship with and, you know, are already in our lives, but, but this kind of propels it out to the world. What it, how do we live as if this was my last? We, we talk about Jesus. We tell the world about Jesus. This was on Paul's heart, that the nations would know the good news. This is, he was all wrapped up in that, that the nations, the ethnos, the people of the world would know the good news. In our passage just from last week, he says, uh, verses 6 and 7 of, of the same chapter, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. And then so when he says, my, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. He's like, I'm, I'm just pouring myself out for, for these people. And what was uh, Paul's race, you know, his, his commission, his thing he was striving so, so hard for? Um, Acts twenty twenty four. Oh, I have it up there. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, which is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So what is more precious than life to Paul is that the people of the world would hear the good news about Jesus. He was all about that. Okay, now back to uh, chapter 4. For verse 17, where, where we are this morning, he says something really interesting. He is facing a trial, which is he's pretty sure it's going to end poorly. And he says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. He's taking the opportunity to get on the grandstand, so to speak, or get on, oh wait, what do you call it? Not the grandstand. The stand, the witness stand, uh, he, he's taking that opportunity and using it to tell people about Jesus. He's like, okay, they put me here. The Lord strengthened me. He gave me all that I need so I could fully proclaim to the Gentiles the good message about Jesus. When Paul looked at death in the eye, he thought about those who don't yet know Jesus. <laughs> people to the, the, ends of the ends of the earth. Who uh, close to you needs to know about Jesus? Who in your, you know, your family, your social circle, your job, your club? Where, where in the world do people need to hear about Jesus? We, we support missions here. You know, there's more we could do. There's other ways we can get involved. I just hope I don't embarrass Carrie this morning, but I know she's been asking us to pray as she's going through treatment. And uh, we're praying for healing. But what else she's asked for is just prayer to share her faith with those who she works with. On her mind, in the midst of the difficulty of a serious disease, is how can I be a testimony in the place where God's put me? That's the kind of, 
that's the kind of uh, eternal mindset we, we need. And this is the kind of eternal mindset that, that Paul had. He's facing, you know, this big sentence. He's like, I just, I just want the world to know about Jesus. To live each day like it'd be our last, just be passionate about sharing the good news about Jesus. It's really, really good news. But here's the thing. We've been talking a lot about people. But we, we need to value people a lot. And, and to pour our lives into them. If there's, if there's friction or things that are wrong, we need to reconcile, share our faith with people. But all the while, we need to remember that people are people. <laughs> people will let us down. People will uh, betray us. People will hurt us. They're human. They're imperfect. We need to love them, but don't put our confidence there. Ultimately, put your hope, put your confidence in God, in God alone. Back to our, our passage, you know, some betrayed and deserted like Demas. He just loved the present world. Uh, others, just because of life circumstances, um, they were torn apart. You know, Trophimus, he was, he was sick, and so he just had to stay behind. Sometimes life just happens. People move away. Relationships break. Sometimes there's betrayal. And, but God's there. God's standing with us. God will never let us down. Back to verse 16. At, at my first defense, no one came to stand me. They all deserted me. But the Lord stood by me. And he strengthened me. I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> no matter what else happens in life, the Lord is with us. I, in fact, it's impossible for him not to be that way. Uh, earlier in, in chapter 2, it says, uh, if we are faithless, he, God, he remains faithful for he can't deny himself. It's just his character to be ever and always faithful to us. Romans 8, just amazing, the end of that, that passage that talks about this. Here's, here's a part of it. Uh, this is verse 35 and then 38 and 39. It poses this question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? It says, for I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can have such confidence in that, that God is with us. Though all might forsake us, we can put our hope totally in God. Okay, the next verse, verse 18, is really... Well, it's really powerful when we slow down. It says this. This is back in, in chapter 4, first, Second Timothy. It says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. Okay, he has confidence the Lord's going to rescue him from every evil deed, and we might have a lot of ideas about what that might mean. And then he, he continues on and says, And bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. How... Well, let's say it this way. What is the passageway or the door, the gateway into heaven? What do we walk through? We walk through death. It's completely possible that Christ could come back and just snatch us up right away. Um, but 
the way this has been happening, you know, typically plays out is we meet Jesus face to face when we go through death. And so Paul says he's so confident that the Lord will rescue him from every evil deed. God's going to rescue me, and he's going to bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom all in one breath. So it's almost like, um, you know, he sets us up to think one thing of, oh, he's confident that he's going to get out of this situation he's in. He's confident his trial's going to turn out a certain way. He's confident, you know, somehow the Calvary's going to come in and break him out or whatever. Um, no, he's confident that his soul is good with the Lord. Even if the body perishes, God's going to bring him safely home. Yesterday, Caleb and I went down to San Simeon and hiked out to the point. I don't know if you've done that little hike. It's pretty scenic. I kept thinking as we were walking, like, hey, this is such a romantic hike. I should have brought Heather instead. But, no, we had a, we had a, we had a, good, a good time hiking out there. And it's low tide, so we were, we were just messing around the tide pools and seeing little sea urchins and whatever. It's good times. And, uh, but years and years ago when Shelby was uh, a little one, Sorry, in the back row there, lots of family stories today. Um, I was down in the tide pools here, you know, when we lived here before, and Shelby is on my shoulders. And we've been looking at all the, you know, creepy little things in the tide pools. And I was trying to cross this area, and, uh, and I slipped. And the, the way I slipped, I kind of, you know, went out like this, and she went all the way head first in the water. In fact, her upper half, I mean, I guess her lower half of her body was kind of up on the rocks, but her head and everything was was uh was in the in the tide pools and uh so i pulled her out you know try to whisk her off real quick and the very first thing on her mind is are there crabs and fish on me you know because we've been looking at all these little creatures and she's just sure they're all over all over her body and uh, kind of terrifying well let me assure you that uh, your heavenly father is a better father than i am and uh when he takes you across the the proverbial jordan when he takes you uh from this life to the next, he, he doesn't drop you on the way. If you're a child of his, you will arrive safely home. He has you in his, in his stable arms. His loving grasp is, is on you, and we have nothing to worry about for eternity. Okay, so here's kind of what, what this means for us. We've experienced a loss or betrayal we can have confidence that the Lord is standing with you. That's what Paul says. The Lord is standing with me. We're confronted with evil or opposition or people are against us or we have something. We can have confidence that the Lord will rescue you from every evil deed. And then even as you come face to face with your own mortality, we can have total confidence that the Lord will bring you safely, safely home. So value people, invest in people, reconcile with people, share Christ with people, but put your hope forever, always in God. Okay, we're coming down to the last just couple verses of this whole book that we've been in for, um, for a while. It's going to be sad to say goodbye to Timothy, but we have something else waiting for us. So we get down to the end in 4.22, and he says this. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Grace be with you. Uh, that first half of with your spirit, that's singular. He's kind of talking to Timothy. You know, 
Timothy, the Lord be with your spirit. And then everybody who reads this letter, circulated in the churches and throughout time and to you and me, grace be with all of you, plural. That's what we need. We need to live this way. We need the grace of God. It's how Paul started the letter to Timothy, my beloved child, grace. And it's how he ends the letter. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. When you grasp God's grace, you can extend it to others. And I think that's our, our challenge as we go from here today is count on God's grace and dispense God's grace. When we value people, we can, uh, or we can value people based on their intrinsic worth when we are dispensing God's grace, when we've, when we've contemplated and realized how God's been gracious to us. We can invest in people. We can make things right with people. We could release people into God's hands even if, uh, even if they've made no effort on their part because God's been gracious to us. And we could just put our hope totally in God and fall on his grace. So thankful we have a God like that. Uh, let's pray and give him thanks right now. Uh, Lord God, I am just so thankful for your grace in my life.